We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday. It is April 27th. Uh, Alex, we have 20 days remaining in the NBA regular season. Not that we're counting. Uh, you are now fully vaccinated, by the way. You're, you're like less than an hour uh, removed from, from receiving your second vaccine. Uh, Jason Vaxiel, can we call you that? Uh, <laughs> but congratulations on that. It has to be a relief. Uh, as, as I've detailed on a previous podcast, I am not a big shot guy at all. I panicked through my first shot, have my second one in a couple weeks, but uh, very much looking to just looking forward, I should say, to just putting this all behind us. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, mostly I'm looking forward to playing basketball again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good to be able to <laughs> theoretically do other things, too. Yeah, this is yeah, it's just about playing pickup basketball. It really is about do with getting out of the pandemic or traveling no, or seeing relatives like my, my lone goal is being able to go to a gym and play basketball. Yeah, like if I get to see my parents. That's a nice, it's a nice consolation. Right. Speaking of playing basketball, Anthony Davis, uh, un- unclear if he's vaccinated. I assume he is. Uh, the, the Lakers seem like a team that was pushing that pretty hard a few weeks ago. Um, he's now played three games since returning from what I believe was a 30 game absence due to the calf strain. He looked terrible through the first two games against the Mavs. Uh, I, I caught a little bit of, of one of those games over the weekend. Um, just looked like somebody who hadn't played basketball since mid-February. And I I thought he looked a lot better uh, against a a much worse, of course, Orlando Magic team starting Wendell Carter at center last night. Uh, But the Lakers fell behind early, battled back, and and Davis was a big reason for that. At the same time, I mean, 
the thing, like, it's interesting watching Kevin Durant, who, you know, misses chunks of time, comes back, scores like 35 points in 25 minutes, like it's no big deal. Like Davis, to me, is a player that like I'm not surprised that he's a little rusty. I'm, I'm not surprised that, um, you know, it's probably going to take him several weeks to get back to where he was. That's just kind of always the guy that he's been. But I think he's going to have enough time here, you know, had it dragged out another week or two, you start to maybe get worried about, about what he looks like for round one. But I mean, he's going to have another, in theory, 10 to 12 more games to work his way back into shape before the playoffs. And I, I thought it was interesting yesterday. Frank Vogel said they don't plan to sit him at all down the stretch. And I, I think looking at the schedule right now, I think eight of the Lakers final nine games are, are back-to-backs. Uh, so basically the entire month of May, they're just playing back-to-back after back-to-back. So Kind of surprising that they won't be sitting Davis, or at least they say they won't be sitting Davis for for one half of those. That is really surprising. Um, I mean, I understand they want to get him, you know, I guess back in a rhythm. And I mean, if they're treating him, I mean, if he's, uh, I mean, I guess that's kind of implying that he's 100% healthy, right? You know, like he might be rusty, yeah. but that's essentially what Vogel's saying is like he's healthy, like um, he's ready to go. So I think. Yeah, now for them, it just comes down to, like, getting LeBron back, you know, hopefully within the, you know, so he can play a few, like, at least a couple games before the playoffs start. Yeah, that's, I think that's the main takeaway is that he, I mean, he was supposed to have a 15-minute limit for his first two games back. They were they were very public about that in the week before he returned. He played 17 minutes at his first game back and then played 28 minutes right away two nights later. And then he was up to 31 last night. So, I think that's the major takeaway, um, you know, making it through a three game stretch in, you know, in four days or six days and, you know, not having any lingering pain, not retweaking that calf. I mean, he looked really athletic, had a couple of really aggressive plays uh, last night against Orlando. I, I think that's the main thing um, for the Lakers. I want to talk about the Blazers, who are now one and seven in their past eight games. Uh, I think they dropped nine of 11 overall, if I remember correctly. They're still in seventh. In the West, there's still only a game behind Dallas, which sits in six. Uh, but they're now only one game up on eight-seed Memphis. They lost to Memphis twice over the weekend. Uh, and also one game up on San Antonio, which, like Memphis, is 31 and 29. And that's coincided with probably the worst stretch that, that at least I can remember from Damian Lillard. Um, and part of that, I think, is is injury-related. You know, he missed a, a stretch of three games um, you know, last week. But... I mean, you look at since April 3rd, which is, a you know, he's played nine games in that span. The Blazers have played 12 games. He's averaging 21 points on 35% shooting, 32% from three, 82% at the line, which for normal people is good. But Lillard's at like 93% for the season. So I, the jump shot has just been way, way off. And you look at his shooting lines. I mean, there's a two of 14, eight of 21, nine of 23, nine of 23, eight of 22. And then he's eight of 27 on Sunday night against Memphis. Uh, I, I, like I said, I just I can't remember a stretch like this where Lillard has played this poorly for now going on like three weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's some of it might be he's just had to carry so much for them. You know, they've been so like CJ McCollum and Nurkic missed so much time. Like before the stretch you're talking about, he was averaging 30 points a game on 21 shots. Like that's obviously insane usage. And like so much of the Blazers success, it like <laughs> rides on his shoulders, which is crazy because it's not like they're. You know, like, especially right now, their team is not bad. They've had Nurkic back for most of these games. Um, He's been playing well, too. Yeah, the past two games he played well. And Norman Powell can, like, give you 20 points on any given night. McCollum's back. Covington's not bad. So I don't don't really understand how they're they're dropping these games. It's not like they're playing, like, juggernaut teams either, right? Like, they played 
like during this stretch, you know, they've played Miami, Boston, uh, San Antonio, Charlotte, Clippers, Denver, Memphis, Memphis. And that's not like you shouldn't go one and seven during that stretch. No, back to back losses to Memphis in, you know, games that are becoming progressively more and more important uh, is pretty egregious. And and Memphis is is not a pushover team. I mean, there there's a reason that they're only one game behind Portland at this point. But I mean, that's a Memphis team that's trying to integrate Jaron Jackson Jr., which, you know, as we saw with the Lakers, like they lost those two games to Dallas pretty handily. Like when you're trying to integrate you know, one of your two or three best players, you know, somebody who's expected to to have a pretty big role in the offense. Like, it, it's not always easy right away, especially when that player is coming off of a, a super long absence. I think Jackson hadn't played since like August 3rd uh, of last season. So, you know, to be able to do that on the fly and then still get a win, uh, pretty impressive from Memphis's perspective. I, I just feel like we're at the same spot with Portland that we've been the last like four or five years, right? Where they always have a, a two or three week stretch where you start to talk about them as like, are they, are they the third best team in the West? Are they a title contender? And as much as I always want to say, yes, they somehow find a way, you know, whether it's injury related or just straight up bad play, like it's been the last few weeks, they always just kind of find a way to back themselves into that second or third tier in the West. And I mean, this is, we've said it multiple times all season. Like I, I think this is probably the best, you know, most well-rounded roster that they've had around Lillard and it's still just going to kind of be the same result as the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, t- what, Terry Stotts has been coaching this team for, is it nine years? Since 2012-13? Um, sure. You know, and I feel like over the past few years, like, people are just, I mean, they went to the Western Conference Finals, and that was really good, you know, in 2018-19. But I think you have to kind of start asking questions about if he, how much longer Terry Stotts is going to be there. Because it's not, you know, most coaches do not first of all nine years is a really long time for an NBA coach and I understand regular season success and getting into the playoffs is important and that helps guys keep their jobs but it's not that often that a guy is going to coach a team for a decade and that team never makes the NBA finals so you have noted on our on our spreadsheet here that the other teams with one or fewer wins since April 11th are Houston Orlando and OKC so that's the company that Portland's been in yeah, that's embarrassing. I, I I really just don't understand like how this is happening to them because again, like their team, you look at them on paper and you're like, I, this team could be like the third or the fourth seed on paper, yeah. but they just aren't getting it done on a night to night basis. I'll tell you what teams don't like what's happening with Portland. And that is Utah Phoenix and, and possibly the Clippers who have now snuck their way up to two games back of Utah and only one game back of Phoenix. I think you look at the other teams in that in that area, you know, Memphis at the eight, San Antonio nine, Golden State 10, New Orleans still kind of hanging around They're four games behind Golden State, but pretty much out of it at this point. Uh, I, I think you, you know, one of one of Dallas and Portland is probably going to be in the play in no matter what. But yeah, I, I think if you're Utah, like, you know, if Portland slides down to nine or 10, you know, this this bad run just continues. Um, you know, in general, you'd like to just have that team you know, in the past NBA playoff structure. That team's just out of the playoffs. Great. Um, you know, if they end up getting, let's say, the eight seed after the play-in tournament, I, I don't, if you're Utah or you're Phoenix, whoever has the one, I, I don't think you're thrilled about playing Portland instead of a matchup against Memphis or San Antonio. No, not at all, because as much as we kind of have been talking down about Portland, and understandably so, they have, I think, probably, they have collectively more playoff experience than Memphis and San Antonio, right? I mean, DeRozan right. has plenty of playoff experience, but he's he, he'd have to carry the team in, like, <laughs> a bigger way than Damian Lillard would have to carry the Trailblazers in that matchup. 
Right. And I mean, for me, it just comes down to total talent. Like there's still right. this belief that e- even if said talent, you know, limps into the playoffs, having lost, you know, 15 of the last 20 games or whatever it would be at that point, um, I still would rather play the team that has Derek White in its backcourt <laughs> than the team that has Damian Lillard. Um, I didn't realize, OK, see, what, 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 what kind of streak are they on right now? Have they lost uh, like 10 in a row at this point? They haven't won this month. Uh, um, sure. Yeah, they've lost. I think yeah, the last time they got a win was March 31st. So they've they've lost every game since then. <sighs> I know. Uh, they finally did it. You know, like they finally got their their wish to start losing games. They were struggling. They were struggling uh, for a long time. So that's 14 in a row, and yet they're still five games up on Houston and two and a half up on Minnesota in their own conference. That is really damning to Minnesota. Yeah. Like that is yeah. That's kind of unbelievable. Right. I mean, the Rockets lost 20. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. They've they've been in this mode longer yeah. than anybody. At Detroit, Orlando also have a worse record than OKC in the East. Those teams haven't really been trying. OKC is just in like a complete opposite scenario of Minnesota. Like they've since game one have been trying to lose as much as possible, but they're they're too well coached and they have too good of a roster. Minnesota has been trying to win every single game and is eighteen and forty four. Minnesota has been like, okay, lately. I mean, really since they switched coaches, they've been not, you know, like not God awful. Um, you know, they're five and four during this like stretch that we're talking about since April 11th, but they, uh, I think they're still bringing D'Angelo Russell off the bench, right? Like $30 million to come off the bench. Like my, yes. Uh, let's see. I, I, I'm debating if I want to talk about, let's just talk about Minnesota now. So golden state has Minnesota's top three protected pick for this year. Uh, we know that that pick becomes unprotected in 2022 uh, if, it, if it rolls over. So if Minnesota picks in the top three this year, it becomes unprotected in 2022. If you're Minnesota, what path do you prefer here? Because it, we're going on like year 10 of them being like, all right, next year, you know, we'll bring in another guy. We'll, we'll, we'll sign another free agent and, you know, then we'll, but then we'll challenge for the eight. What about anything that's happened this season would lead you to believe that Minnesota is not a bottom five team next year again? Uh, nothing. I <laughs> Exactly. I mean, they would have. So they like, would have to sign somebody. Yeah. Right. So like, let's say they pick second this year. They, you know, they keep the pick. All of a sudden, their 2022 pick is going to Golden State no matter what. I mean, I don't know. And again, unless you're landing someone who's just a monster difference maker, and certainly in this draft, there's a chance you'd be getting that in the top three. But even so, I mean, you, you look at some of the best case scenarios. Like Zion Williamson has been fantastic this year in his second year, kind of his rookie year, based on how much time he missed last year. And the Pelicans are still a terrible team that has been on the outside of the playoffs all year long. And and they're, they're head and shoulders better than Minnesota. So, like, I guess my argument is unless you're getting massive leaps internally from 
you know, a lot of guys who have not made said leaps so far in their career, even if you hit the jackpot on a really good player, let's say number one or number two overall, I don't know that that player is going to lead to immediate wins that lead to your pick. You know, you're not handing over a top three pick in 2022. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're going to really bank on Anthony Edwards taking some sort of leap and being like an, an efficient 20 points a game guy. And I guess some availability, because I mean, you know, Towns has only played 40 games, Malik Beasley, 37, D'Angelo Russell, 32, but I, yeah, they seem, um, I mean, it's the Towns. I mean, do you think, do you think Towns is better than Zion Williamson? I have no idea how to evaluate Towns anymore. I think we are, are we two or three years removed from him being the number one answer in a runaway in the annual GM poll of which player would you want to build your team around? I think, I think it was only two years, years ago. ago that, okay. Yeah, Either he was, way. That, he was like an 80%, like this is the guy. And I don't know. It's like the numbers are still really good when he's healthy. He's been as good as advertised. You know, he's, he's missed significantly more time these last couple of years than he did early on. And, and that's been a huge factor, but I don't know. It's like, he, even when he was healthy, you know, they, they, with the exception of the year that they had Jimmy Butler, even though he was putting up 25 and 12 and two blocks and draining a bunch of threes, it never really seemed to matter. And and he's never had a great supporting cast around him, but the, the team they have around him now, I, I don't, if you're basically running it back next year with, with Russell and Beasley and Edwards, I don't really know that, that I expect any of those guys other than maybe Edwards to, to take a big step forward that actually leads to wins. Yeah. Like, I, I guess I just don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I think he's kind of in the same situation as Anthony Davis. And this is something I said before, where it's like, yeah. he's probably not a number one guy and everything like the team has to build, be per, uh, be built perfectly around him for him to be, to succeed in that way. Like he's probably, you know, the most overqualified number two guy. It's like Anthony Davis, right? Like you put him with LeBron, great things happen. Like if we had, you know, if Towns was there uh, in Dallas instead of Porzingis or something, you know, this would be, I think we'd be having a different conversation about like Carl Anthony Towns impact. Um, but I think, I mean, I think he's great, but it's just, again, I, I'm not sure he's like the ideal number one guy because, you know, we don't really see centers that often be true number one guys like and mm-hmm. Beegan Jokic are exceptions, but they're like all time right. greats already. Right. And I don't exactly. towns would have to like basically turn into Jokic, you know? Yeah. I, I think for a modern center to be that guy, you have to have an ultra elite skill. And for Jokic, it's passing and playmaking. And for Embiid, it's, it's defense. Right. And, and obviously they're very good at everything else too. And that's what makes them already these all time great players. And I'm like, I think we thought maybe Towns had that in shooting and then the league, the rest of the league caught up, you know, like right. in, in 2016, 2017, you know, when he's taking four threes a game as a center and, and shooting like 38% from three, no one else was really doing that. And now every center can shoot and it's not really all that unique anymore. And, and you know, he's, he's up to 39% on, on 6.2 attempts this year. So he's still doing more from three than most centers, but I'm with you. I, I think the Davis comparison, you know, they're very different players, but I, I think he is in that same situation. I think the thing with Davis is that he's so dominant on defense, and and that was the case in New Orleans as well, that I, I think there's a, a little bit more of a case that he could be the number one guy. Uh, maybe not the number one guy in a title team, but the, you know, the number one guy in a team that's at least, you know, relatively in playoff contention, which is not something that we could say about any of these T-Wolves teams that have not included Jimmy Butler. Right. Yeah. And, and again, like the draft picks won't, they won't cure that problem. 
Right, right. So my, my overarching argument is that they're in big trouble. You're you're either yeah, surrendering yes. you're either surrendering like the fourth or fifth pick this year in a in a draft that has four or five really good players at the top, or you're probably forking over somewhere between the second and sixth pick next year because and even so, like who are you adding this year? You know, like obviously you'll you'll take a top you'll take another top three pick and then add them to that roster, but I mean, you kind of have your your point guard of the future, you know, at least in their belief in Russell. You now have your two in Edwards. Um, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of not drafting for need at the top of the NBA draft, but I mean, they they're in this weird situation where they're a terrible team and yet they have the roster that they thought was going to be good. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, there were people who thought this team would be decent, and I understand why, but I also thought a lot of that was. I mean, a lot of the hype ended up being from D'Angelo Russell getting there, right? And people just overestimating how good D'Angelo Russell is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the Malik Beasley situation, it's like that's yeah. who they believe is their two guard of the future. And, you know, I guess as Edwards, then you're three of the future. And then if that's the case, you have you have four of your future starters locked up right now on a team that has like 20 wins. <laughs> right. And those, yeah, guys are, uh... those guys are not all 20 years old. No. No, yeah. this is a pretty this is a pretty bad spot. Yeah, it, it, the Bulls are in a similar situation, um, you know, a little bit further along in their timeline, just because you know the player they acquired at the deadline is in his 30s. Um, so that that's the saving grace, I guess, with Minnesota is you know Towns is young, he's he's under contract. Uh, obviously, that hasn't stopped some players from you know trying to wiggle their way out of town in the past. But I mean, Chicago is is entering a almost a worst case scenario with with the Wendell Carter uh, trade and and the picks that were involved in that. So both of those for 2021 and 2022 going to Orlando are top four protected. And, you know, Chicago is right now on the outside looking in as far as making the playoffs. They're definitely not bad enough right now to feel good about their chances to have a top four pick. I think right now their most likely outcome is to pick seventh or eighth. So, you know, there's a pretty good chance that you're handing over like the best pick possible to Orlando. And then, you know, much like Minnesota, you know, what about anything that we've seen over the last month since the trade deadline would make you believe that Chicago has a pathway to being significantly better next season when you're also, you know, probably handing over your first round pick? It's been bad. And you know, it's been bad when it's like, you know, like they clearly play better with Thad Young and Garrett Temple out there. Um, oh, yeah. I guess it's not a secret. Like everyone, everyone kind of knows that's what's going on. And um, I looked up, like the the Levine Vucevic minutes have been awful. Also, they're minus 13 points per 100 possessions when they share the court together, and that's in 500 possessions. Like that's not some random small sample size thing. They've been awful together. Um, and like yeah, maybe some of that is you know they're getting like they're both really high usage guys who've kind of uh, been used to having a team to themselves, and now they have to work together. But man, like yeah, they're in a bad spot with this trade because especially I mean. Part of the part of it too is just it's bad optics because Wendell Carter has looked like awesome um, for Orlando. Yeah, by by Wendell Carter standards, he's looked awesome. Yes, um, I, that was just such an obvious change of scenery situation, though, right? Where like I, I don't think anybody out there was like Wendell Carter sucks. He's a, he's a full on bust. It was like he's just in a bad spot here, and you know, and marketing is kind of going down that path as well. But you know, much like Minnesota, they they kind of built this team. I think to you know, not contend for a title, obviously, but to be ready to compete for a playoff spot this year. And, you know, I, I, it's maybe not a finished product, but you don't have a lot of wiggle room now. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some more internal improvement from Levine, but 
Vucevic is who he is at this point. Um, it's, been, it's been kind of a step back for Kobe White. It's been a step back for Laurie Markkinen. Uh, you still have some pretty major depth issues, I think, in the backcourt, especially, you know, if you're relying on your temple to play 25 to 30 minutes every night. Um, did you see the Denzel Valentine clip from the other night? No, I only heard about it. Oh, oh, the pull up. No, the air ball, right? The shot. Like 30 yeah. feet. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. that's going to be me when I come to my first pickup game. <laughs> I I watched that a few times and it's funny regardless of this of the scenario. I didn't even see the clock at first. Like I, I didn't notice that they were like down five with like 40 seconds left. And that was a super important shot. Like I, I just assumed it was like mid second quarter that he took that. Oh, man. Of all people, Denzel Valentine. Right? I know. I know. Well, I, I was I was never a fan of his in college. I, I'm not saying that I'm reveling in him. Um, I wouldn't say failing, but not playing all that well at the NBA level. But uh, as a Michigan State guy, I, I was never a huge fan. We talked about All-NBA last week, and I pretty quickly realized that I, I think we might have undersold a few guys. And, and one of them is Julius Randle, who we were arguing as like, can he sneak onto the third team? I have I have read and heard multiple people say that they think he has a chance to get on the first team. I, I don't know that that's possible, but when when you start to think about it and how much certain voters might might weigh like the games played argument, and he's going to have 20 more games than a lot of the guys he's competing against, like I, it's not all that far fetched to me. It's not far fetched if I think you're doing the um, <clears throat> like the the games played thing because if if you aren't, then it's you know Giannis is going to be on first team as a forward. Yep. And then I think if I mean if games played weren't an issue, I think that you have plenty of other options. You have LeBron as an option. You have Jimmy Butler as an option. You have Kawhi Leonard. You even yep. have Zion. But hey, I mean the guys leading the league in minutes um, for a team that's you know overperforming mm. relative to expectations, and I think that's part of it too, right? Like they want to give oh for sure you want people want to give these awards to guys who are a available and b on good teams, yeah. and he's on both. He's he's doing both of those things. Right. And I, I think part of it, too, is, you know, Durant's out of the equation. He's he's yep. just missed too much time. I mean, he's missed more time than the other guys that we're talking about. who have missed too much time. Um, I mean, Tatum has, has just been so up and down. It, it doesn't feel like a first team all NBA season from him at all. Um, you know, the guy who's, who's actually, I, I think, made some hay in this discussion and, and maybe has a chance to sneak on is Paul George. But he's played 47 games. LeBron's played 41. Kawhi's played 46. Butler's played 45. Randall right now is at 61. And there's a pretty good chance he's going to play them all the rest of the way. So he would he would be at 71. And I mean, Kawhi's currently hurt. LeBron's at least another week away. Butler's kind of in and out on virtually any night. Same with Paul George. Like, I mean, there's a pretty good chance that we could be looking at a like 15 to 20 game gap, which I, to me, if, if you know, if the Knicks finish with like the four seed in the East and Julius Randle plays 20 more games than all the other contenders, it, it would still seem weird. I, I, I think five years from now, we'd kind of laugh at it, but I, I wouldn't have that big of a problem with it because to me, that that's a big enough gap in games played. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I think I'd be all right with it. 20 games is a lot um, to make up that gap. And like, I mean, I, obviously I don't vote for all NBA. I think... Wait, what? I, yeah, I know. I think it would be more... Like, I think I would take all NBA more as like a who are the best players in the league. And unless yep. they played like half the games... Yeah, you know, then they should qualify and kind of be where they like deserve to be in my head. Like, for sure. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that into account as much as I would for like MVP, mm-hmm. uh, for example. And in that case, yeah, I don't think I'd have. I think I might have Randall on my third team or my second team. I don't think I'd put him on my first. But if he ends up there, I can understand it, and it would kind of tell the story of the mm-hmm. season, right? Which is part of the awards. It's like, yeah, you should be able to look back and say kind of like what was going on that year. 
Exactly. That's that's exactly how I view it. I I almost like it as more of a you know something to look back at in five or ten years as something to study in the moment. You know, like I love looking back at yeah, you know, I'm, I'm on the Basketball Reference page right now, looking at like 2011-12 All NBA first team: Dwight Howard, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul. You know, like that's I don't I don't have like a super clear memory of everything that happened in that season ten years ago, but looking back at that is like oh okay these guys were the five best players that year, and yeah, I, I think having Julius Randle on the first team, um, you know, it, it was a, it, it's a very memorable season that he's had. But I, I'm I'm totally with you. I like it as more of a, you know, kind of a, a total body of work type of thing of like, you know, this is kind of our unofficial rankings, you know, for the season that, that you know, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, Bleacher Report, everybody publishes their their top 50 players in the league or whatever it is. But like, this is kind of the official standard um, that that people will will look at 20 years from now when we don't have all the same context. If he if he wasn't basically a lock to win most improved player, I would maybe mm-hmm. consider it more. But I think he's I think he's basically going to win that award. And that historically, I think, will be his recognition is you can put him on third team all NBA and he won most improved player and people will understand what like what happened. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is if, if you don't buy into the games played argument, then he might slide down the third team because I read off all those guys who have had probably better game by game seasons you know, it's like if you're not willing to put him ahead of LeBron, then how can you justify putting him ahead of Butler and Kawhi, who basically played the same number of games as LeBron? Right. Exactly. The closest example I can think of to something like this, where it's just like, I, I guess this guy has to, he's been that good, is, is Isaiah Thomas in 2016-17. And he ended up making second team. You know, obviously a guy that had no, been really nowhere near that level throughout his career. Um, and, and I, I think to me that felt right. It, it would have been weird to put him on first team over Harden or Westbrook that year. And as I recall, I don't think there was a much of a push for that. Uh, no, did he, did he get fifth MVP, uh, that year too? I, I think he did, man. That was, he did. I'm looking at up. Yeah. He got fifth and MVP. Yeah. I, I, I will, that my memory of that season, I think it was in the playoffs when I, that was one of the years, the Cavs just kind of ripped through Boston of him like kind of diving at LeBron, I think when he was going up for a dunk and there's that still photo where it looks like a, like a lion attacking a gazelle or something. It was just so, so hopeless. I'm trying to find his MVP um, voting history here. Yes. He finished fifth in 2016, 17. So that was was the Westbrook year. Yeah. It was over Curry. Yeah. Yeah. It was Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, LeBron, Isaiah, no first place votes, but yeah, not, not a bad total for, for a guy who had really never been in that discussion. I want to finish out with this question. Which team right now that's currently in the bottom seven, and I will admit this is kind of an arbitrary cutoff point, and you'll see why, but which bottom seven team right now has the best chance to make the playoffs in 2021-2022? So those teams are Houston, Minnesota, Orlando, Detroit, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, and Sacramento. This is tough. I think I think it's between Cleveland and Sacramento. The answer like, could also be they're all bad and none of them will make the playoffs. Right. That may be the real answer. I think, like, I want to say Sacramento, but then you have to consider it's the Western Conference. Right, exactly. And who's dropping out. And so I think maybe it is Cleveland. I mean, Garland and Sexton have been pretty good, and they have Jared Allen now, but the Kevin Love situation's out of control. Uh, but... They're going to get another decent draft pick. I mean, they could end up, I mean, they could theoretically still end up with like a top five pick pretty easily. Yeah. They could end up with number one for all we know. So like, 
it's it's possible. Especially when it you almost, consider the play-in, right? Yeah. I mean, if they get the 10th and then they jump up. Yeah, and I, honestly, it feels like all these teams are so bad that just getting to the play-in would almost count as making the playoffs, right? Like, yeah. it's, but as, as evidenced by your response, like, I don't think there's a clear choice at all. And I, I'm, I'm with you that I think, like, on paper, Sacramento is probably the best team. If you throw them in the East right now, they're basically, they have, like, almost the same record as Chicago, Toronto. Um, they, they'd be right in the thick of it this year. So they're not even that far off, but by virtue of the conference that they play in and, you know, none of those teams ahead of them project to really fall off a cliff anytime soon. I, I, I think you do have to take that into account. The next tier of teams uh, that I didn't include in the original crop are Toronto, Chicago, Washington, and New Orleans. You know, those, I, I think all those teams are clearly a cut above like the true bottom seven. Um, but is, is there any of those four that, that really sticks out to you as, as maybe, you know, a team that you'd feel pretty good about getting the seven or the eight next year? Uh, I mean, I, I, I want to say Toronto, but, you know, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I, 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 I It could just be as simple as, like, again, like, maybe it is just they're playing in they're playing in Tampa, and this is a really tough season, and it just, the vibe has been off the whole time. And um, <laughs> and the Aaron Bain signing didn't uh, work out the way they wanted. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I would say Toronto, but their roster construction next year I think, I mean, they're going to have Van Vliet, Siakam, Ananobi. But other than that, I'm not sure who's, like, guaranteed to be on the roster. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, those guys just underperformed so much this year. And I don't know. I, I always forget that they are they still have not actually entered the country in, like, months. You know, like, there is that whole factor of it. And I, I think having fans in that arena um, just being, you know, significantly more comfortable than you have been this entire season uh, probably vaults them back up to to closer to where we think they'll be. I mean, Chicago, we just talked about, not a whole lot left to say there. I, I feel like Washington's going to be in the exact same spot next year. Um, you know, you kind of hope that Westbrook turns it on a little earlier and and you know starts playing more like he has the last month or two. Um, obviously, they got off to a terrible start, but and same with New Orleans. Like I, I think New Orleans and and Washington are, you know, I wouldn't say they're they're mirror images of each other by any means, but. I, I mean, New Orleans has had the exact same season this year as last year, and you know you're potentially losing Lonzo. Uh, there's, I, I think, some pretty major internal issues as far as you know the coaching staff relating to that roster. Like, it obviously you have Zion, you have Ingram, you feel good about that, but you know there's a lot more to it, and I I don't really know that they're going to take a huge step forward next year unless Zion you know really really elevates his game and becomes like a true superstar. Yeah, I mean the I mean. A problem for both teams, but more so for Washington, is they have no money left. Yes. Like they're paying next year, they're paying Westbrook 44, Beal 34, Berton 16. So the rest of their money, they can't sign free agents. Like it's it's really tough for them. The Pelicans have a little more flexibility, um, partially because William Zion's still in his rookie deal. Um, Bledsoe is essentially an expiring contract next year. He has like a non guarantee for 22, 23. Um, the Stephen Adams contract, man, I don't. That's I don't. Just I don't bizarre, even know if we're able to talk about that. They're such a bizarre team right now that it, it feels like if you had the option between let's keep this team the same or let's give you a team that has only 75% of the talent but is just like randomly just a, another group of players yeah. or like a, a group of players that fit better but only have 75% of the talent, I feel like they would like take that in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the things I wanted to hit on, and, and we'll probably get to this next week, is you know which, which teams were the most surprising positively and negatively this season. And I, I think New Orleans would be the answer for a lot of people. They would definitely be in my top two or three. Like I, I love like almost every player on that roster I like individually, but the fit has just been terrible. And yeah, I, I feel like we've been over this so many times this year, but like Zion's having a monster year. Brandon Ingram has been pretty close to what he was last year. You know, it's not like Steven Adams has been terrible. Like he's been Steven Adams. Lonzo Ball has played stretches this year that he's looked the best at any point in his career. Like, it's not like they've had these crazy extenuating circumstances where, you know, guys are missing games or you're, you know, have games postponed due to COVID. Like, it's been relatively smooth sailing for them, uh, you know, compared to a lot of teams in the league. And despite that, I mean, they just find ways to lose games. It's, it really is kind of unbelievable how good Zion's been. Like, I can't, yeah. I really can't get enough of it. It's, um, like I said, like I think he might he might be he has an argument that he's better than Carl Anthony Towns already. Sure. Uh, I, I just want more dunks out of him. That's all. That's been the one thing that's missing. It's like, you know, he has the alley oops every now and then, but I mean I want more like breakaway windmill three sixties, like that that I think that's the next phase. Yeah, he has a he has hundred and seventeen dunks this year in fifty six games. That's solid to a game. But a lot of his are just like he gets the offensive board, he yes. goes up. Or it's just like an easy someone pocket pass and he just goes up and dunks it. Um, he hasn't like annihilated too many people. I think he only yeah. has like three legitimate poster dunks in his career. He And this sounds weird to say he's been a monster disappointment relative to his high school mixtapes. <laughs> I mean, like that he, he's like the greatest high school dunker bar none. And it's we've seen we've gotten like two or three like, whoa, I have to share this with all my friends right away type of dunks. Whereas I thought we'd be getting those like every night. Yeah, it makes me wonder uh, if all those rims were 10 feet high. You know, I, you, you, I'm sure you and I have been in some gyms. Uh, we have a particularly suspect gym that we've played right. Roto hoops at that. I'm pretty sure the rims are like nine foot nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be spending some time in South Carolina next month. So I'll, I'll see if I can maybe head over. I think he's from like Spartanburg <laughs> okay. uh, and, and do a little bit of a on the scene investigating. One more thing, as we talk about these teams that could improve for next season, you know, you, you said like Washington's basically capped out, you know, Minnesota's kind of made their moves. At the same time, what is there really like a, a franchise changing free agent that's even going to be available this summer? I mean, I, I guess Kyle Lowry, but, you know, you, you would expect Kawhi Leonard to stay put. You expect Chris Paul, Mike Conley, um, you know, like the best names on the market. I think it's going to end up looking a lot like last year where it's like you're kind of re- you're really thrilled to get a Gordon Hayward. And, you know, this version of that might be like DeMar DeRozan, Lowry, you know, Gordon Drogic should be available uh, potentially Dennis Schroeder. I mean, th- those are the type of names you're talking about, like guys who can add to your core, but not somebody who's instantly going to bump you up 10 wins. Yeah, your best hope might be getting lucky with Oladipo if you're a team yeah, other than I mean, Miami. That's, that's looking more precarious than it than it was like a month ago even. Yeah, he just is out indefinitely. But you're right, because it is, it is like a a class of like guys who would be maybe your number three option or would be like your first guy off the bench. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, the DeRozan's in there. Um, Fournier's a free agent. Uh, Schroeder's a free agent. So it's, yeah, like it's, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, if, the thing is, if you're in the East, if you're in the <laughs> East, you put Fournier on that Cavs team. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's, they probably wouldn't mind that, you know, uh, yeah. you can play the three for them. Cause I think the, you know, I hate to say it, but I think the Shaggy Osman experiment is over uh, in Cleveland. He's been getting DMPs. 
well, he he was getting DMPs. Now he's like he's played like 40 minutes the last two games with Sexton out. Like they're they're just okay. spinning the wheel every single night on on what that rotation looks like. <laughs> All right, man, we got to get out of here. Small slate on Tuesday night. The schedule has just been so bizarre lately, but we're back to 10 games Wednesday. Uh, like I said, the, the countdown is on to the end of what's been the longest and somehow like also like kind of shortest regular season right. of all time. But man, I, I'm at this point, I'm just fired up for the playoffs. Yeah, me too. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.